Hello and welcome to the Scrimber podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful developers about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior developer job. Have you heard of Hacktoberfest? It is an annual event that runs through October and encourages you to contribute to open source projects. Since October is nearly over, you might be thinking it's too late to get involved. I'm here with special guest Eddie Jaoud to assure you there's still time. Even if it is the last few days of Hacktoberfest, you can still do it. It needs four pull requests to add value to any project. And remember that open source is not just for Hacktoberfest, it is all year round. Eddie's mission in life is to help people contribute to open source. It's the basis of his community, Eddie Hub, and the reason why he was officially recognized by GitHub as their star of the year in 2020. In this episode, you will learn how Hacktoberfest works and how to make your first contributions. Eddie started his open source career very humbly, fixing typos. Now he's the GitHub star of the year. You're going to learn from the benefits of all his hindsight, so let's get into it. So Hacktoberfest is a month-long excitement and energy towards open source. And the idea is if you contribute four pull requests or more that add value to a project, you get a t-shirt or you can plant a tree. And I've been pushing this year for hopefully more people to plant a tree. And the way to get involved is you register on the Hacktoberfest website. It's run by DigitalOcean and uh, it keeps track of the pull requests that you make. And your pull requests have to be valid pull request so they have to be merged and accepted or if they haven't been uh, merged and accepted if they get given a label Hacktoberfest accepted then it still counts. We'll be releasing this episode towards the end of October and the end of Hacktoberfest. Do you think it's too late for people to get involved or is there still time? There's definitely still time. Um, but as we were discussing before we hit record, it is a marathon, not a sprint. So I think a lot of people get very excited at the beginning and do their four pull requests on the first day. And then other people do their four pull requests on the last day. To be honest, if people want to make the most out of open source that can help you with not only learning faster, growing a network, getting kind of the career and job that people want, then they really need to do little and often a bit like brushing your teeth is what I always say. So it's not too late. Do get involved. Even if it is the last few days of Hacktoberfest, you can still do it. It needs four pull requests to add value to any project. And remember that open source is not just for Hacktoberfest. It is all year round. And I think uh, it is important for people to continue. It's a shame to see people get this new uh, skill, this new motivation and not continue it. And I, I really hope this year we can encourage people to continue into November, December and into 2022. Although the t-shirt or the concept of planting a tree is exciting, that might not be the purest motivation to contribute to open source. There are so many more reasons and benefits to do it. What are the reasons you're so excited about open source, Eddie? And why do you think it's so important that everybody else gets involved? I love this question. This is a great question. So I really believe that open source is not about code. What we say in my community, the Eddie Hub, that is collaboration first, code second. And really, when someone wants to make a contribution, they raise an issue. And that involves bring coming up with an idea or finding a bug and that gets you a green square and the conversation starts there and then people when they want to make the changes will raise a pull request and a pull request is effectively like an issue but with some changes to the repo with it and I specifically say changes not code because it could be documentation it could be automated tests it could be so many other things and then once that's been raised 
then there's another discussion about the changes. So really it's discussion, changes, discussion. And so that's why I love open source because it is really about collaboration. The code is kind of just a side effect of the collaboration that happens. And it's just so great to see people collaborate together and, and learn so much. I mean, when I interview for my clients, I love to look at people's GitHub profiles, but I don't look at it for the reason that people think. People think, I look at their latest code. Is it the best code I've ever seen? That's actually something I don't look at. What I actually look at is two things. One, can they communicate and collaborate with people? So I want to look, how do they raise issues? How do they raise pull requests? Not the changes in the pull requests, but do they explain why they made certain changes? And then I want to see how they comment on other people's changes. That's why it's really important for people to review other pull requests, even if they're not the maintainer on the project, they can still give their feedback. And then the second thing that I look for is I do look at their code, but I'm not seeing if it's the latest and greatest. I'm just looking that, is it better than it was three months ago? Is that person still learning? But that's a less of a priority because someone can learn tech, they can be taught it, but communication, collaboration is much harder. Does someone have the right attitude? And it's really, really a great way to see how they collaborate with people on the platform. It is a social platform. And so people should really get involved in the conversation. And I'm so passionate because where I've got to, people who don't know me, I'm GitHub star. I'm GitHub star of the year. Eddie Hub just won the GitHub award, a community award for the year. I've done all this, achieved all this, the clients that I want, the projects that I want. I travel the world as a digital nomad. You know, I spend, uh, I spent summer in Portugal, going to spend winter in Bali. And the reason I do this is because of the open source work that I've done. It's opened so many doors for me. And I've been doing it for over 10 years. And over 10 years ago, we didn't have Git. We didn't have GitHub. It was a different landscape back then. And so now we've got these great platforms. And I think it is so much more fun for people to get involved with the gamification, with the green squares. And that's how it kind of gets started. And I think, you know, people look for the green squares and then they look for the t-shirt or planting a tree. And then hopefully that sparks their interest. And then they want to do more and they want to get involved. I mean, I have two regrets uh, in my life, in my career, and one of them is not getting involved in open source sooner. So hopefully people don't make the mistake that I did. Although, like I said, it was over 10 years ago, but I wish I started sooner. And the second one, which is kind of relevant, is not learning in public. So sharing my learnings my in open source projects, sharing it on Twitter, sharing it on YouTube, that again has opened so many doors for me. And I really want everyone listening to understand that it doesn't have to be the best work in the world. And if you're learning, then to be honest, even if you think it's the best today, tomorrow you won't think it's that great because you would learn something new. I look back at my code two weeks ago and I think, hey, what idiot wrote this? And it's me. And it might even be a blog post I've written or the way I've made a video. We're all always learning. And that's why it's so fun to be in tech. And so they can learn and grow their network by learning and sharing in public. And I think it's just so important. I wish I started that sooner as well. There are just so many benefits from improving as a developer, learning, practicing, but also, as you say, you're effectively learning in public, leaving a little trail of everything you've done before, a way to measure your own progress and feel motivated, but also show employers that you're serious and that, well, you can walk the walk, essentially. It's one thing to show a piece of paper that says you can do it, but why not just show them that you, you can actually do it, not just write code, but collaborate on code as well. I love the point you make that contributions aren't necessarily the same as writing code. You can discuss things in GitHub issues. You can contribute to documentation. You can create demo applications. You can be a user that just shares your feedback. And I, and I think that a lot of this happens around GitHub. It's a wonderful platform for these things. And I think there is that allure to only focus on things 
things that give you the green square. By the way, at one point in time, this might be interesting to people, you only used to ever get the green square for creating a commit. But in recent years, GitHub sort of evolved that, didn't they? So you also get green squares for pull requests and for creating issues and, and maybe some other things I'm not aware of. Is that right, Eddie? That is correct. So now also GitHub discussion. So starting in GitHub discussion gets you a green square. And uh, it, yeah, it's interesting because you raised such a good point that it is adding value we always say to add value but we don't say add code because value could be you know has someone raised a bug can you confirm that the bug exists on a different platform or different version of the browser or the compiler or, or whatever's being used that's also adding so much uh, value I've known uh, some people in the Eddie Hub community get job offers from some of my clients and some of the other companies that sit in our Discord because they've created demo apps and they said, actually, we love the way you've done it. We love the way you've you know explained it, the way you documented it. Can we pay you to do this more? And I'm just thinking that's amazing. And hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to share some names and actual case studies of where this happened. But for the moment, it's a bit on the quiet. But yeah, I love your, I love your idea of sharing demo projects of using certain tools or maybe using them in the way that's recommended, maybe using them in the way that's not recommended. Like there's so many different ways. And I think it just sheds more light on the, on the area. And I think that's really important. Let's talk about some ways that people can find their first open source projects to contribute to. There are a few ways that I definitely recommend. So one is People should look at the projects they're already using. So they're maybe the libraries, the frameworks, the dependencies that they're including in their project. There's a really good place to get involved with those projects because people are already familiar with those projects rather than trying to pick one up from scratch. But if they don't want to contribute to those because they're maybe very big or very fast and fast moving projects are quite hard because you might raise a pull request and then by the time it gets reviewed, by the time you get back to it, there might be some conflicts. So another way people can contribute to to their friends, their colleagues, their community projects. So we actually have, again, in the Eddie Hub community, we have a channel called Good First Issue and people can share links to their repos where they um, have Good First Issue to get people involved in their projects. So that's another way. So do join a community. I'm obviously biased, but join multiple communities, I think is really important. I'm sure Scrimba has lots of open source projects as well. We are doing this thing right now where Every week at Scrimba, we release a challenge and ask people to submit their solutions. And then they all get featured on this web page that my coworker builds. And she's actually made the website where the projects are displayed open source and started inviting people to contribute as part of Hacktoberfest. That's really cool. But yeah, I totally echo your point. Like be part of multiple communities. The Eddie Hub sounds like a great place for people in open source specifically, but there's always going to be a little bit of overlap. There's lots of overlap with communities and then they all have their kind of focus. That's why I always recommend people to join multiple communities because you'll get like different benefits, different perspectives. And that's really, really important. And another way people can find um, projects to contribute to is they can go to the top of GitHub, the bar right at the top, the dark bar. It has like issues at the top, an issue link. Click on that and then it will list the issues that you've created. And then there's these extra buttons, issues that are assigned to you, issues that have mentioned you. There's a search box next to it. In there, clear all the search items and people can search for label, colon, good first issue. And then they can put a space and then they can put language, colon, and the language they want, be it Python, Java, Ruby, JavaScript, TypeScript. And it will list all the issues that match those languages and that label of good first issue. And people can put multiple labels. They could put good first issue and also Hacktoberfest if they wanted to. And that's a great way to search the whole of GitHub. There will be lots of results. 
So the next question people ask me is how how do I choose if I found like a few projects, how do I choose which one to contribute to? So there's a few kind of bonus tips here, everyone listening. Look at the project's code of conduct. Look at the license. Make sure it is friendly. You can actually go to the insights tab on the repo and then go to the community link down the left. And it will show you, have they got issue templates? Have they got code of conduct? Have they got a contributor's guide? Then if they've got ticks along all of those, go have a look at them and see what the project looks like. And a second bonus tip, once you kind of narrow down the projects you want to contribute to, go to the pull request tab, go to the closed pull requests, and you'll see a list of all the closed pull requests. And some will be closed because they were merged and some will be closed because they were closed. Look at the ones that were not merged and that were closed, that will have a red icon to the left. Click on a few of those and see why they were closed. If they were closed by the author, that's fine. If they were closed by the maintainer, that's also fine, but check the maintainer left some helpful feedback why they closed it. Was it a feature they didn't want? Was there another reason? And did they recommend some other issues for that contributor to contribute to? Whereas if it's just been closed with no comment, no feedback, maybe that's not an inclusive project and maybe that's a project you don't want to contribute to. If you are enjoying this episode of the Scrimba podcast, please do us at Scrimba a favor and share it with your friends on social media. Word of mouth is the single best way to support a podcast that you like, so thanks in advance. On the Scrimba podcast, we like to bring you a balance of experts like Eddie, as well as newer developers who recently got their first junior developer job. My guest next week, John McKay, aka Jono in the Scrimba Discord community, is one such success story. I got offered a position, not as a junior, but straight away just as a software developer, but in the guise of a 20-month training course. So the next 20 months of my life is a training course whilst actually working. They've realized that a lot of the people who tend to go into this industry historically were computer science graduates. And they realized that if everyone comes from the same point of education, everyone kind of has the same ideas and they wanted to break out of that kind of trap. Remember to subscribe to the Scrimba podcast in your podcast app of choice, be that Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts, even import the RSS feed if you like. This way, you'll be sure to hear the episode of Jono and support the show. There is on GitHub the good first issue label, which I think represents issues that the maintainers are like willing to help you get started, right? They might be more patient. They might help you on board. They might even have a really great contributing.md to help you get started. If you were to participate in Hacktoberfest and get the four merged pull requests that you need to be eligible for the reward, it, it needs a Hacktoberfest label as well. Is that right? So either the project needs to have a Hacktoberfest topic or the pull request needs to have the Hacktoberfest label. Oh, that's good. So people can look out for that. Yes, they can. And they can filter projects for the topics. But please, people do not hassle maintainers if they haven't got those labels or topics on their repos. There's a reason why they might not want to participate. Maybe because they just have so many notifications that they don't want to add to that. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but 
is still get involved. If you like the project, still get involved in it. And good first issues usually have a good description and a step-by-step guide on what to do to get that issue done. And I highly recommend people to, to maybe start with good first issues, but make sure you don't stay on it. I see some people staying on good first issues for months and they're not challenging themselves any further. Yes, they get in the green squares, but not challenge themselves further. So do make sure you move and challenge yourself to slightly harder and larger contributions each time. And a contribution isn't about the size. Uh, I had someone want to contribute to one of our projects and say, hey, I'll do the contributing guide. Give me three weeks. I'll make two pages. It'll be amazing. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Little and often and add value. So it's not the size on the amount of changes in the pull request. I recommended that they create the file and put one line that they could do today and we'll get that merged in. They said, oh, well, it's just one line. I said, even if the one line said any question, please start a GitHub discussion or come and chat to us in our Discord and provided the link to our Discord. That's already providing value because it's always about adding value, not an amount of lines that have changed. And I said, well, then tomorrow someone else can now add another line to the contributing file because you've created the file. It's there. People can now communicate and collaborate on it. Another tip, when you're raising a pull request, if something isn't, say, formatted correctly or it's not adhering to the the linter rules and you want to format those files, great. But don't put that in a pull request that contains your feature file or your bug fix or whatever it is, because it is important to have pull requests that focus on one thing. I've seen good pull requests with good changes get stuck for months because they've got five other changes in there that are still being discussed, whereas the value of those other changes haven't gone in and it's okay to make multiple pull requests. Okay, yes, you don't want to spam the project with kind of one character change in each pull request, but it needs to be focused on a a topic. So if you're reformatting various files because they don't adhere to the formatting standards of the project, then that would go in one pull request if it's one file or 10 files. And then if you're fixing documentation, then that would probably go in another pull request. And if you're adding a feature or fixing a bug, then that would go in another pull request. And I think it's important for people to find that balance between not adding too many pull requests and issues, but then having them focused as well. I totally recognize that temptation and that aspiration to want to make an impact and make an impressive pull request and maybe even feel like you've arrived, like, look, I'm here, here's a huge contribution. It's great to have that aspiration, but frankly, it's not only going to overwhelm the most experienced people, but when you're in a position to collaborate with others, it's a lot for them to ingest and process and then eventually merge. So take your advice, if you make the pull requests and even the commits as atomic or small and and singularly focused as possible, it makes it so much easier for the maintainer to then get a good idea of how the code has evolved, how they can integrate it into the main branch as it's now called and even leave feedback right because if they are to leave feedback on a humongous pull request it's just too much what do you think some of the likely challenges that somebody might face are when they first try and contribute to a project for example one might be they say the project is quite big how do they understand the whole project people shouldn't try and understand the whole project usually projects are broken up into modules and then components and a lot of the time we just need to understand the changes we're making and the code around that and the project around that. Hopefully most projects have automated testing where people can confidently make a change and then be aware if they've broken anything else in the project. And also I see people like to think, I need to get help. Can someone jump on a call with me? Can one of the maintainers jump on a 
call with me and help me with this. And a lot of maintainers, I think, used to do that, but then that person would take the value of learning of how to contribute and how to use that technology and then disappear. So if people do want that help, it is there, but you need to add value a, a lot to the project and the community to get that. So I have some people message me and say, hey, Eddie, you jumped on the call with that person and helped them with their issue. So yes, but that's their 50th issue. And they did 49 issues that added so much value to the project, but now they wanted to do something a bit more challenging. I know they're committed to the project, so I'm going to give them an hour of my time to pair with them and work on that issue they want to do that's a bit harder and more involved. And so if people do want to get that almost like mentoring unofficially kind of situation, then don't try and contribute to a different project every time. Focus on a few projects and build up that rapport and collaboration and community with the maintainers. And then after some time, if you want to challenge yourself further, then you'll get more help. You make some amazing points and I totally see the value of, I don't mean to make a pen out of it, but committing to a repository, like committing to see it through and uh, becoming familiar with the maintainer and the other contributors because you build that depth of knowledge that allows you to move faster. You end up creating more significant contributions over time. Oh man, imagine how great that would be to one at first struggle to contribute, but a few weeks or months in, you can then help someone new contribute to the project. That's a whole topic we haven't we haven't delved into and probably won't have time to today. But another great way to be involved in open source is to actually make your projects public. As a maintainer, you will understand the flip side. So when someone raises like a, a three-word issue and you think it makes sense and you raise it and you don't understand why the maintainers and community start asking questions and there's like 30 questions and discussions in this issue when you're a maintainer and you get the same in reverse and then you start asking questions and it's back and forth back and forth and lots of notifications over you'll realize that adding context to your issue and pull requests is super important so the skills needed to be a maintainer is Anyone can do it, but you'll learn so much by doing it and it will make your issues, your pull request be so much more valuable. And that's another thing I look for, uh, going back to when I say I interview for my clients, another thing I look for is, are they a maintainer? I mean, most people are a maintainer if they've customized their GitHub profile or they're learning in public, but I also want to see how do they respond to pull requests that get raised on their projects? How do they respond to issues? If they're good or bad, doesn't really matter. But I want to see kind of, do they say, thank you so much, but this is something I'm not doing at the moment and then close the pull request. That's also fine. But you can tell that that person has, like you said, empathy and has an understanding for the effort that's gone into those changes and it will make their contributions so much better. I think we've spoken about so many awesome things in this episode. I hope people listening towards the end of October now feel confident and empowered to go and find a project, contribute to it. Of course, if you need support, it will be there in the Scrimbo or the Eddie Hub community. I'm also hoping to link everything in the show notes. So if you're looking for something, uh, please check out the show notes. I'll be sure to link it. Eddie, just to wrap up, if you're up for it, I would love to throw you some quick fire questions. What do you say? Let's try it. Let's do it. All right, man. Question number one, GitHub or GitLab? GitHub, 110%. Sorry, GitLab. I mean, what was I expecting? You are the GitHub star of the year. Here's my second question. How does it feel to be the GitHub star of the year? That's an amazing accomplishment. It was definitely a big surprise. I've got a reaction video on my YouTube channel when they made the announcements and I was just super surprised. I was so shocked. I'm still shocked now, to be honest. Man, you should be so proud. 
In just one word, how does open source make you feel? Warm and fuzzy inside. That's not one word. Uh, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. I'll, I'll take it. That's a good. That's a good. That's good enough for me. What is the biggest mistake you see new contributors make? Not reading. It's really strange when I see people ask a question and you write a whole paragraph mm. and then they say, yeah, but I don't, I, I can't, um, but can you answer my questions? Like, I, I have. And then you copy and paste a few words out of your paragraph I've just written. And they say, oh, thanks. Great. And you're thinking, but I literally just copied and pasted that from what I sent above. Finally, Eddie, just to finish up the podcast, maybe you can take us down memory lane and tell us about your first open source contribution. Uh, okay, it's going back over a decade. So just to remind everyone that there was no Git, no GitHub, no pull requests back then. It was a very different landscape. You had to sign up for that person's server. And I say server, I didn't say Git server, but it could be SVN or CVS server. Give them the SSH keys, sign lots of forms. It was a different landscape back then. But I'll be honest, my first pull request was fixing a typo. And if I'm going to be super honest here with you and everyone listening, my second, third, fourth, I think fifth and sixth and seventh, I say pull requests, contributions, there were no pull requests back then, were also fixing typos. And I did it for the same project. And they were so welcoming that I started doing more. And I started adding more code coverage to their project. And I started doing bug fixes, just really small bug fixes. And before I knew it, I found kind of where I wanted to go, where I wanted to spend my time. And I realized it was getting involved in open source and getting others involved too. So everyone get involved. Any questions, let me know. I love that. Like from very humble beginnings, fixing typos. That could be the person listening to this episode a while later on our GitHub Star of the Year. What an amazing transition and an amazing way to end the podcast. Eddie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. That was Eddie Jaoud, GitHub Star of the Year and founder of the Eddie Hub open source community. You can find all Eddie's links, including a link to his community in the show notes. This episode was edited by Jan Osenovic and I'm your host, Alex Booker. You can follow me on Twitter at BookerCodes where I share highlights from the podcast and other news by Scrimber. See you next week.